Your home is more than a place where you eat and sleep. God designed your home to be the primary place where you build character and faith. It's your biggest opportunity for impact. The relationships built here will carry through generations. Whatever your life stage, single, married, a blended family, or grandparent, are you investing where it matters most? Good morning. I want to welcome each of you to Hill Country Bible Church, those joining us online at all of our venues. We want to welcome you. And if you're a guest today, we're so excited to have you here. We have been in a sermon series called Faith at Home. And we've been talking about what God intends to pass on the faith to the next generation. Now, what we came to understand the last two weeks is the intentionality needed, and we're going to focus on that a lot. So today, as we, we dive into this message, um, this is going to be an opportunity for everyone here to get involved. Very special and important message to wrap up the series, and so really excited to be able to bring this to you. Now, Scripture makes it very clear that there is actually a generational linkage in the faith. In fact, in the Psalms, Psalm 78, we read this. What we have heard and known, what our fathers have told us, we will not hide them from their children. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our forefathers to teach their children. Now notice there are two really important things. One is, who is God? Like, who is this God, his power and the wonders, what has he done? That's something that should be passed on generationally. In addition to that, what has he said? His statutes, his law, his commandments about how to live life. Generational transfer is the way people learn it in the next generation. He goes on to say this, he says, so that the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. It's four generations that we see passed on here. Then, what's the result? Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. So this is God's intention about how the world is supposed to work. It's kind of like a chain where there's a level of uh, connectivity. Let me pull my chain out here. How's that for a chain? <laughs> there's a level of connectivity in every link in the chain, right? And so let's just take a link right here in the middle. Suppose that link represents the current generation. People that are living now, and that link is connected to another link, that would be the link of the forefathers or the parents or those who passed on their faith to this generation. 
That's the responsibility. Why is that so important? Here's why it's so important. Because going all the way back to the beginning of time, God has been at work. And the first generation saw the works of God, and they experienced the works of God, but then the next generation saw more of the works of God and more experience, and then the next generation got more. So wherever we are on the link in the chain, there ought to be a ro more robust experience with God than any other time in history. And it's the responsibility then of this generation to pass on their faith to the next generation. So taking all that has happened, all that we know about God, all that he's done, and what we've experienced in our time needs to be passed on to our kids. So when you think about that, I mean, what does that look like? Well, our kids need to know that in the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. He's the one who is the first cause. That out of his love, he created Adam and Eve, male and female, and created marriage so that they could actually biologically produce the next generation and created us in the image of God so that we have value and worth every single person. What happens when a generation forgets that? Injustice? Mistreatment? Racism? Like it's clear what happens when you forget that. So every generation is supposed to know that. But not only that, know that people have fallen. That sin came into the world. And as a result of that, there's been a broken world. But God didn't quit. He picked Abraham and made promises to him and created the nation of Israel. God gave his law, the Ten Commandments, so that we would know how to live. And when the nation of Israel didn't live correctly, what happened? God judged them. Everybody needs to know that God is a righteous judge, judge and won't let injustice go on forever. That God will judge even his own people when they sin. But God also delivered them, and then he sent his son Jesus into the world. And Jesus came, God himself, so that we could see who God really is. And Jesus lived and he taught, and then he sacrificed himself on the cross so that he could pay for our sins. He rose again, and God started the church. And not only do we understand that, but the history of the church and what God's done and then in our day, do you realize the most important thing that you will do in your lifetime is prepare the next generation with that knowledge? Parents, that's more important than the educational plans you have for your kids. It's more important than their personal happiness. It's more important than their physical, emotional development. That is the most important thing. And what's really interesting now is in the achievement-oriented culture that we live in today, many of us don't even think about this. We don't even have time for this. But it's that responsibility to pass that on to the next generation. Now, God's plan for that primarily focuses on the home. It's a responsibility of parents to actually pass on that faith. That's why it's so significant that God ordained that in Christian marriage, now when I say Christian marriage, I'm not talking about two Christians that got married. 
That's not a Christian marriage. A Christian marriage is where people are actually putting Jesus first in their life and in their relationship and following him. And then God designed children to be able to grow and experience and understand who he is just in the love relationship they experience in their parent, with their parents. Children are created malleable so that they're prepared to receive and experience the love of God and get that and to be able to take it in and move forward. That's what God ordained and that's what we're called to do. But if you're not a parent, that doesn't mean you're unimportant. Because if you are a member of the body of Christ, you have received salvation through Jesus, you were brought into a family, we were adopted into a family, and all of us are to work together to pass on our faith. And so you may be saying, well, like, why should I help somebody else's kids? Like, that, that's their kids, that's their deal. Like, they need to be responsible because we need all the help we can get. And so many teens, adolescents, draw so much benefit from adult mentors and models and disciplers that really invest, make such a huge difference in their transformation. So all of us have the opportunity to be involved. Some of you are aunts and uncles, maybe you're your older cousins, Maybe you're an older sibling in the family, like you've got natural relationships. Start thinking about what's my role in helping. Maybe you're an educator or a coach. Maybe you just want to be involved in mentoring. All people can be involved, and we're all called to pass on our faith to the next generation. Now, here's one of the challenges. One of the challenges, particularly in American Christianity, is we've kind of fallen into this myth that if I give one hour couple Sundays a month and bring my kids, like, I, I, I got what I needed. That's my development for myself and for them, and th then go on with life. And, and I want to say two things about this that are, are vitally important to understand. First one is this, that actually making a commitment to worship God on a weekly basis has a profound influence on your own life and on your children. The fact that you would say that as God in the beginning reminded us, we need to take a day to stop doing everything that we do. That's the best defense against developing idols of workaholism, of busyness, of seeking my own comfort, of loving myself or happiness is what I think life is all about. The best way to defeat those idols is to stop. And making a priority to stop every week above all the other busy things that I could do, to stop every week and worship God is a transformational habit. In addition to that, coming to worship, experiencing an opportunity because God's present here with us to, to praise Him and, and adore Him, learning from the Word of God, being able to take something that you can go out into the rest of your life. Those things are profoundly important, but what they're also profoundly important for are our kids. In fact, Fuller Institute of Youth um, published a study trying to figure out like what's, what's happening to students. Why are so many of them growing up in church and leaving the faith 
when they leave. And so what are the factors of those who stay? Here's their number one factor. Involvement in all church worship during high school is more consistently linked with mature faith in both high school and college than any other form of church participation. That's interesting, right? You think, well, now wait a minute, like, is the worship in like all, like adult worship, is that better than the student band? Like, is the you know, the preacher on Sunday morning in the worship center, like, is he better communicator than the student pastor? No, it actually has nothing to do with that. Here's what it has to do with. When you mom and dad come to worship and your kids are with you, whether they want to be there or not, your kids are with you and they see you. They see you in love with Jesus and can't wait because every week you carve out time for worship and you come And they watch you worship the God of the universe and they see in you the authentic love that you have for Jesus. When it comes time for a sermon and you open your tablet or you open your notebook and your Bible and you begin to take notes because they see that you really want to know what God has to say to you and you're not just a spectator, you're involved. And they watch that commitment on your part. When you leave and you get in the car, and, and you're talking about, hey, what did God say to us today? And the, your, your teenagers are involved in that conversation. What they know is I don't know what they're talking about in there sometimes, but here's what I do know. My mom and dad have an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's going to make an impact. That's a huge part of what this is all about. So, Sunday morning, worship, taking time out, being present, being with the family, that's very important. But don't mistake that for the fact that God has a relationship with you 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And your primary place where you're going to experience God and continue to grow in your faith is deciding that Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, God's speaking to me. He's with me. I pray. I'm in the Word of God. I'm building Christian relationships. I'm applying it. Like your life, transferring it to the next generation is actually, what does it look like, mom and dad? What does it look like, mentors, aunts, uncles, cousins, grandparents, to be godly at work? To be godly in your relationships, to walk with Jesus every day. That's one of the biggest ways that we transfer the faith to the next generation. Now, we still have student ministry. In fact, this afternoon at 4.30, we kick off student ministry. I'm so proud of everybody that's jumped in this fall in the midst of COVID and all this stuff that's going on to be helpful. We've got over 40 adults who've committed to lead Uh, Our small groups for our our middle school and our high school, when you look at that, that's over 400 students that will have an opportunity to participate, and we believe that we actually have room for you. So if you feel led to be a mentor to a student, to lead a small group, we would love to have you reach out to us and put you on an amazing team that's going to make a great difference. So... How do we be intentional in our relationships? 
That's what I want us to focus on for the rest of our time together. And here's the first step in being intentional in our relationships. Intentional growth begins with an honest assessment. It begins with an honest assessment. You can't know where you're going and how to get there if you don't know where you are. And here's what the Bible says. In Psalm 119.95, the psalmist says, I have considered my ways and have turned my steps to your statutes. Now, there's two important things here he's saying. The first of all, he's saying, I've considered my ways. That's a brutal, honest assessment of where I am at right now. He says, look, I'm looking at the way I do life. I'm evaluating my relationships. I'm evaluating my mind, my thought life. I'm evaluating my behavior. I'm taking a look at where I am. I'm being brutally honest with where I am right now. And that's where we're going to start today, with an honest assessment of where we are in our relationships right now. Now, what's interesting is he goes on to say, and I've turned my steps to your statutes. In other words, I I know where I am, but I also know where I want to be. He says, I don't want to just be. I want to be like you. I want to follow you. So just like your GPS, just like your Google, Google Maps, like you've got the starting point, here's the assessment, you've got the end point, here's where I want to get to, and the pathway to get there. So important. So some of you would say, well, God's standards is the end game? Whoa, that's really intimidating. And it seems that way, right? Like, we'd love to compare ourselves to other people. Uh, uh, Like this rubber band. So if this is where we are, it's easy when we say, okay, well, you know, I look around the room and you know, I see all these other people, and I want to compare myself to them. And we do this all the time, right? We do this all the time. Like you go to the gym, and you look around. And depending on who's in there, you leave the free weights, and you go to the machines, <laughs> right? Like we, we look around at what people wore. When people walked in the door, you're kind of looking around, and some of you are going, really? You did that? You say, I didn't think that. That's probably because somebody was thinking that about you, Right? Like we're constantly comparing ourselves, our grades, our activities to other people. And so we set a standard that's pretty low. What happens when we go after what God says our life ought to look like? It starts creating a lot of tension. Here's the mistake we make. We think that this tension is human effort. Like, this is what I've got to do. I'm going to have to stretch myself. I'm going to have to work so hard to try to keep all the rules to try to live up. But what's really taking place is God is creating a pull. Here's what you need to know. There's never a command that God gives us or a calling that God puts out before us for how we ought to live our life that God does not enable us to do. God is always going to give us the strength and the resources to become who he calls us to be. Think about it. Like we have a guidebook in the scriptures, the Bible, to show us what the path looks like. 
We have the joy of the presence of Jesus. Do you remember, remember just before Jesus left this earth, he said, listen, listen, guys, I'm going to be with you always, even to the end of the age. Sometimes you say, well, I don't feel like he's with me. Well, he is, even when you don't see him. He's working. He never stops working. He never stops working. In addition to that, God gave us the Holy Spirit, who's not only with us, but the Holy Spirit's in us, and we've got the power of the Holy Spirit. So when you set your trajectory toward God, all the resources of God now come to play to move you forward. So, here's what we want to do. We're going to take an assessment to find out where we are, and I'm going to challenge every one of you to take this assessment, okay? The Bible says, do not merely listen to the word, do what it says. And I know how easy it is to walk out the door and get busy, so we're going to take a couple minutes right now to do an assessment together. So here's how you're going to find it. Here's a QR code. Pull out your, your smart devices. Um, even teenagers, pull out your smart devices like everybody do that. Um, you can either use the QR code or you can just type in hcbc.com slash home plan. Um, depending on the quality of your camera or your distance from the screen, you may have trouble with this. So just go ahead and type it in. Save yourself some time. Also, um, it, those of you who are joining us online, there's a link right there in the feed. You can jump in there, and, and we're going to do this together. Now, some of you are, are saying, no, I'm not going to do that. And I would say, why? What are you afraid of? Okay? Do not merely listen to the word, do what it says. Let's take this assessment together. So, you got your phone or your pad or whatever, and you, you see right now, this is my home plan assessment. Go down to the bottom where it says get started, click on the get started, and you're going to see categories, and if you don't fit that category, just skip it. So the first one you're going to see is marriage. If you're not married, just skip that category. If you are married, then it asks you a series of questions to try to see how intentional you're being about your relationship in your marriage. And at the bottom of that, there's a place to rate your marriage on a couple different levels. When you get to the bottom of the page, if you're married, hit the next button, and you're going to see another two categories, parents and grandparents. If you're a grandparent, skip down to the grandparents section. If you're a parent, work on the parenting section. If you're a teenager or young adult and you're living at home, you may want to grade your family right now. This might be the best time you've ever had to be able to say, hey, mom and dad, what's up? Bring something to the table. If you don't fit any of those, you can skip that section and move on to the next section, and that's single adults. So anybody that's not married would qualify here, and we've kind of divided this up into two categories. So if you're a middle schooler, a young adult, you're not married. If you're a widow, a widower, like whatever, whatever stage of life you're in, if this is you, we divided that up into those people who feel like, at least for now, that they want to remain single, that that's what God's calling them to some questions to evaluate. Other people, maybe I'm interested in being married someday. There's some questions there for you to evaluate. And then down at the bottom, a couple things to think about about your future. And so um, just 
dive in and work through this, and, and we're trying to do an assessment of where we are so that God can actually speak to us about where we need to go. So we're going to take a few minutes. Right now, we'll all do this together. Um, let's take a minute and a half and, uh, and go. Be able to do stuff like this, right? <laughs> and I saw some others of you that were cheating by looking at your spouse's or your parents' thing to see, I wonder what they're putting down. Well, this is the starting point. Like, if we're going to be intentional, so there's such a thing as good intentions, but good intentions don't move us forward. Intentional starts with really asking some questions of ourselves to get us started thinking. Now, from here, we want to move into making a plan. Now, when I say that, there's a certain percentage of you who immediately start to reverberate because, like, making plans makes you nervous. Two things I would say. First of all, the plan we're going to make is really simple. It's going to be easy for you to do, okay? So it's not going to be that hard. Second thing... Scripture actually calls on us to make plans. I want you to see that when we talk about investing in relationships, wisely crafted intentional plans actually lead to growing relationships. And here's the passage of Scripture that I want you to see in the Proverbs 20 to 18. Make plans. Like we're supposed to be making plans. Actually, we all do make plans, right? Like we make plans all the time. Plans for vacation, plans for retirement, plans for our kids' education, plans for sporting activities. We make plans all the time. What's interesting is oftentimes what we don't make plans for is what's most precious to us, which is our relationships with the people we love. An intentional plan for a great marriage. An intentional plan for a great dating experience with somebody. An intentional plan for community and building friendships that are supportive, an intentional plan for our children or our grandchildren. Oftentimes we don't do that. So scripture says make plans and make plans by seeking advice. Look, look for ways to gain insight. And, and that's what we're committed to here at Hill Country Bible Church is to give you biblical wisdom and insight to make those plans. Now, the writer of the Proverbs amps this up here by saying, if you wage war, obtain guidance. Now, what's so interesting about this is we look at that and go, yeah, well, of course. Like, if somebody was going to war, they absolutely need to get all the generals together and they need to figure out a battle strategy. Why? Because in war there are casualties. It's too serious to go to war without a plan without guidance, without wise thinking. We know that, right? You know what? We are in a war. And our enemy is not flesh and blood. It's not opposing political parties. Our war is against Satan himself, who from the beginning of time started driving wedges in relationships. He did it with Adam and Eve, and their kids, Cain and Abel, first murder, drove a wedge in that relationship. And he's been doing that for the whole history of the human race. And guess what? He's perfected the art. 
He doesn't need you to kill your brother. Just get busy. If he can get you busy, he can get you stressed. And guess what? You're not your best self when you're anxious, angry, and stressed. I'm convinced that marriages that break up oftentimes, it's not because the person had done something terrible. They just got busy and actually became a different form of themselves. And Satan's happy with that. Like he doesn't care. If he can get you so busy as a parent that you don't have time to think about how you're developing your children and pouring into them, like, you can run like crazy. They can accomplish everything that there is on, in the world to accomplish and lose their own soul in the process. That, that, that's the reality. Satan is at war against us, and so he wants to destroy your marriage if you're married. He wants to bring it to an end. He wants to cause problems in it. Satan wants to destroy your kids. Satan wants to destroy your community, your friends. He wants to destroy these things. And so it's our responsibility to say, okay, God, what is your plan? And to take that seriously. So I want to take us back to where we just were. If, you keep your if you've kept your browser open, if not, jump back in here at hcbc.com home plan. And we're going to spend just a minute making a plan, okay? This is really easy. And here's what I want you to think about. I want you to think about what if between now and the end of the year, I added one or two intentional things to strengthen my relationship. These are not hard. They're not going to take you down. They're actually going to help you. So um, let's look here. And again, we've got a PDF here um, for you to, to look at. Those of you who know how to run this technology, which I obviously don't personally, um, we'll know how to figure out how to way to write on that, this. I've been told if, if you don't know how to do that, just go to your notes and take a few notes in your notes there. But we start off with married. Couple things to strengthen my relationship. What would it be a couple things you'd do? Maybe you'd start having a date night a couple times a month. Maybe you'd start praying with your spouse a couple times a week. Or you fill in what you would do. Like, that's between you and, and God and your spouse. But what could you do if you ask yourself the question, where do I want this relationship to go? And what would I do to make it better? Go ahead and take some time to do that. If you have kids at home, what would be something that you would do with your kids at home? If you have teens at home, like how would you help them? What would you intentionally do if you're a teen? I would encourage you, if there's some things you would like your family to do to encourage and help you, go ahead and write those down and share that with your parents, grandparents, single adults. If you're a single adult, what would you do to actually move your relationships forward in a godly way? What would you do to do that? Or other situations, we know a lot of people in different situations, just what would you do to be intentional? When you love someone or care for them, how could you begin to put some things on your calendar that you would follow through on in the process of doing that, you would move that relationship one step further down the road to make a difference. We'll just take one minute, go ahead, put down some of your ideas, and uh, I know many of you won't finish, but let's go ahead and, and take that one minute. What are some things that God would call me to do in my relationship?
I know many of you are still thinking and still working, and, and we just wanted to get you started so that you would be moving forward. You may go a little bit further after you leave to figure this out. I would encourage you to whatever you, you said, like, I want to do this, go ahead and make sure you place a time to do it and, and a plan to do it because, again, good intentions don't move to great relationships. It's actually doing what you're called to do that makes a great relationship. Some of you are... Pro- Probably some of you are thinking, like, I just have no idea. If you knew where I'm at and with my life and all this, like, I, I don't know what I would do. I feel like I should be moving forward. I love people. I want to see something go further, but I just don't know what to do. Well, I just want you to know that we are here to help. We are committed to be those people that continue to give you advice and resources, and we've developed a strategy to get information to you. And I just want you to see one of our our team members, Ken's, is going to explain our family centers and our online resources. So let's watch together. Hello, Hill Country. My name is Ken's, and I'm one of the leaders on staff here at Hill Country Bible Church. As a church, we're committed to equipping and inspiring you to grow in your spiritual journey and build a strong family. Our family ministry is passionate about helping you take simple steps towards creating a God-honoring home. That's why we've opened brand new family centers at both of our locations as well as online. As you see here, our family centers are filled with helpful tools and resources laid out by life and family season. Here, you can find everything from biblical perspective and principles to simple ideas for developing your relationships at home. Take this idea card for example. If you have a young child in your life, maybe you're an aunt, an uncle, a grandparent, whatever your relation, this is going to help you create impression points. And the idea is to help you launch those frequent faith discussions so that you can start to build those relationships and those principles right where you're at. Whether you're single, married, a parent wanting to be more intentional, or a grandparent wanting to be more influential, we have something for you. So come check out the Family Center in person today. You can also discover the resources online. Reach out to us anytime. You can take the next step and we can help. So we're here to do what we can to move you forward in your relationships. And we know that... Deep in our hearts, the people in our life that are most important to us, we know that we desire God's will, that, that, that we know that. We know that, we believe it, but oftentimes we just get distracted. And so for the next 120 days, we're going to encourage you to follow through on these commitments. And as you do that, we trust that God is going to open up your heart, give you joy, deepen your walk with Him and with the people that you care about. And that's our prayer, and we're here to help. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, I just thank you that you've given us the responsibility and the opportunity to influence the next generation by living a godly life and by loving you. Father, we know that you gave us relationships for our joy and our benefit. And Father, I pray for the person who's so lonely that doesn't have a strong community of faith. Father, that you'd open up doors to bring people into their life people that could love them and encourage them and help them. Father, I pray for those who are so overburdened with so much activity that you would clear a path 
for them to be able to rest in you and rest in the love of their relationships. Father, I pray for kids that are struggling, that need help, that you would help them see who you are through the people you place in their life. Father, you are a great and awesome God, and what's so amazing about you is you know each of us personally. I pray that you would meet each of us where we are and help us to take our next step. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen.